Tales from the Riverbank number two. Following on from my intrepid summer walk through the city in the River Colju last week, my mind turned to its smaller sister river, the River Petrel. The seeds of an idea were sown. Now I already knew the Colju from when I was younger, but the Petrel was pretty much unknown. If the Colju was the jewel in the city's smaller rivers, the Petrel I thought was the Ratner's jewellery equivalent, more base metal than burnished gold. Let's face it, even the name sounds like a pollution incident. Being originally from Curragh, the river was in my childhood a sort of watery Maginot line between the badlands of Curragh and Upperby and the much bigger and scarier badlands of Harraby. If we'd have had maps of the river at the time, anything on the Harraby side of the river would have had big letters written on it. Here be dragons. This off-putting childhood history was not, however, going to put me off. For now, I'm a grown-up. A quick bit of research before the trip did tell me one thing. Nobody has a clue why the river is called the Petrel. In fact, it is the only known use of the word in the English language. It has no known word roots whatsoever. Until recent rule changes, because it was a proper noun, it was not even allowed in the game of Scrabble. The closest link I could find was for the word petrel, the seabird that is, which has a 17th century link with St. Peter. The name was given to the bird because of its habit of flying low over the water, with its legs dangling, giving the impression of walking on water. I thought in view of my plan to walk, if not on the water but through it, this was quite apt. This river journey would take me from the little humpback bridge on Petrol Bank Road on a meandering route, if not through, then certainly skirting the city, to the suspension bridge and the River Eden. Along the way, I would pass under London Road and Warwick Road, two of the main arterial routes in and out of the city. I would also wade under the wide expanse of the main railway bridge in the city. Each of these sandstone arches seems cathedral-like in their shadows and size, the river's voice echoing off their walls. The greens and blues of the riverbank making a perfect east window, framed in the bridge's simple arch. Smaller footbridges also dotted the route, parish church-sized as opposed to the bigger stone-built cousins. I would wade at the back of the old railway club, where my dad used to sing country and western, and my mum was a croupier at what was the city's first casino, and on past the shadow of Gallows Hill, where the Hilltop Hotel stands stark and square above the skyline like the scaffold towers of old. I waded through old crumbling weirs, past foundations of long-disappeared bridges and buildings. I followed the river through parks and spied Brunton Park from the aptly named Waterworks End. The sporting connection is completed with the final push-on through the golf course. It's just as well that there are these occasional glimpsed views of familiar landmarks, as without them you lose track on where you are on the journey. The river, for the most part, is hidden from nearby civilization. Deep below, overhanging ash, willow and bramble. Huge clumps of common burdock, or wild rhubarb as it is also known, fight for space with the more colourful smaller flowers. 
I've just realised that this burdock gives its name, of course, to dandelion and burdock, that little seen drink from our childhood. There was some litter and the occasional shopping trolley, even bizarrely at one point a red sofa. But these were human scars on an otherwise pristine landscape and were slowly being healed and disguised by the tender hands of nature. Now, if anyone is thinking of doing this trek, let me tell you one thing. It's bloody hard. I was in the water for getting on for three hours. I was, to be fair, in no rush and took time to take photographs and look closely at the wildlife. I even had a proper swim. But the wading is difficult at times. This may be a small river, but still waters run deep. Certainly the petrol does. And this at a time when the river levels are running ridiculously low. You will certainly need your dukas on for this one. Now I'm six foot two and my bits and beyond got wet on numerous occasions. At one point I must have looked like some kind of local porter from the African Queen wading through the depths with my rucksack and camera phone held high. You'll need sturdy footwear as well. The riverbed is rocky and flip-flops or bare feet are a recipe for disaster. I wore polarised sunglasses which were a bonus. They enable you to see through the surface glare of the water to pick the best route. And of course they made me look proper cool. A bottle of pop, a marmalade sandwich and cardboard tag around my neck in case I got lost completed the get-up. Maybe not so cool after all. It may be hard work, but the effort is well worth it. The petrol is so very different from the coal dew. It's an eclectic mix of a river. At one moment it thinks it's a dashing mountain stream, then round the corner changes its mind and takes on the slow, lethargic pace of a reed-lined canal. The wildlife, insect life and plant life are rich and varied. In the water I saw shoals of minnow and stickleback. Stone loach, or catties as we used to call them as kids, darted in front of my feet. I even saw a miller's thumb, or bullhead, which I've never seen since childhood. Ducks, wagtails and dippers flitted in and out of sight. Thrush, chaffinch, a sedge warbler sang hidden in the bushes. A kingfisher flashed by me in a blaze of ambulance-like blue as it sped downstream. This incandescent blue of the bird matched only by the dancing hordes of damselflies that sped among the rushes. I'm pretty sure I found the kingfisher's nesting hole. Carved into the clay bank below it was a fishing post, covered in the kingfisher's droppings, a sure sign of the bird's favourite fishing spot. At one point a very rare dwarf petrel tree toad was spotted, and it rested for a few moments on my fingers. Okay, it was probably just a baby common toad, but hey, this was a water safari. Give me some artistic license. Apart from the section through Melbourne Park and the golf course, I did not see another human soul. I did get some very strange looks from the loudly checked legged golfers who, I am sure, thought I was stealing golf balls from the river. Wayward tee shots littered the riverbed and golf balls shone like huge freshwater pearls below the surface sheen of the clear water. There were lots of them, and I did bring two home as a memento. Unfortunately, I didn't carry the rather nice brick back with me, which I also found, which was clearly engraved, Whitehaven. And of course there were trout. 
Not as many as I saw in the cold you, but some good fish nevertheless. I even at one point tried my hand at tickling trout under a likely looking tree root. I did manage to brush my fingers against a couple of fishy flanks, but my old childhood skills proved too rusty on the day. The final fishy surprise was saved to the very end of my journey, at the petrel's confluence with its bigger brother, the Eden. As I waded the last few steps, a small flounder, usually a fish of the Solway and associated estuaries, flicked into life ahead of my foot, perfectly camouflaged in the river mud. For the flounder, his riverbed journey was set to continue. Mine was over for the day. But in the immortal words of Arnie, I'll be back. the second of Tales from the Riverbank by Gary Johnston following the River Petrel in Carlisle. So I thought that was amazing. It was masterly and some of the language and delivery was fantastic. I loved the ambulance blue of the Kingfisher and also some of the things that you're talking about, the catties and the, the bullheads or bullies. I remember seeing those as a kid, but I haven't seen them since. Nice to see there's still toads and things as well. Um, for those of us who aren't going wandering down the Petrel. The only thing I can possibly add to that is the history of the name of the Petrel. It's right, it isn't actually known what the, or, uh, what the origin is. It's probably Celtic, we, we would presume. Um, the only thing that has stuck with me is, and this may just be a coincidence, is the name of the Roman name of the fort at Stanix was Petriana, um, which seems to be, there are two possible derivations from this. One is um, the pet, Petra root is in the name Peter, as you mentioned, with Petril. And that was because Peter was the rock. And it's a Greek word, Peter. and we, But it gets into Latin because it, it comes through Latin, the descendants of Latin, such as Spanish and French, as Pedro and Pierre. Pierre, of course, means stone in French. So um, is, it, is it actually not a Celtic name, but a, a Latin name, which would be unusual. And it isn't even Latin, it's Greek, making it even more unusual. Or the only other thing I can think of is, is it related to that word pet that we see in Scotland, in Pitlochry and Pit, Pit and Weem and places like this, which means a, a, an enclosure of land, which again doesn't make sense. I checked out... Um, Alan James is um, Alan James is the authority on the Old Cumbrian language, if you didn't know, and he's a very learned man. And he he only says um, Petril Cumberland, potentially Pedwar, which is um, four uh, in Welsh, and um, of course in your in your Cumbrian counting, Yantan Tedra Pedra is one version. So four, but why would the river be called four? He connects it to some some. Clearly, south uh, southwestern names, Celtic names of rivers: Buckrell, Chackrell in Devon, the Chickerell in Dorset, Cheverell in Wiltshire, the Deverell, Keverell, and Tregathrell in Cornwall. So that ending Arel seems to be some kind of Celtic river ending. So, but the truth is, after all that, we don't know. 
we don't know what it means, but it means something, and it's been around a long time. Anyway, so that was another, of that was the third in the listener library, so I would just exhort you, that's a good word, I would exhort you all, if you've got anything interesting to say, send it in. I've got another of Gary's, um, I possibly can get another of Steve Wharton's, but there are some other people who have been promising me, and when I'm less busy, I'll go and find them with a tape recorder. Actually, it isn't a tape recorder these days, it's a digital recorder, but I'll find them, and I will record them, and it could be you. So think of something interesting. Oh, that's put you on the spot now, isn't it? I don't mean to be nasty. I hope, but just if you have, you're bubbling over with something to say, then get in touch and we'll we'll put it out. Okay, so that was brilliant. Another one to come from Gary soon. All right, cheers. Bye-bye.